Hey everyone, and welcome to 121 in Flux. I'm Peter Les Connor, and we talk about movies on this show. Uh, movies from the past, sometimes way, way back in the past. This one's not that far. Well, I mean, depends what age you are, I suppose. The 80s to some people now feels like it's an eternity ago, but um, not that I was even born for the vast majority of it. But yeah, and, it, and it's further ago than most of the stuff we've been covering recently. That's because we've had a lot of new movies out that we've felt, yeah. oh, we should do the movies that came before that in that franchise, and because of that we've had some recentish films, but uh, no, so we're going to be talking about a movie that, you know, I'm actually kind of excited because this is the first one in a while that I hadn't seen before. Mm. I mean, the, the, the original idea for this show was, oh, we get to, you know, have an excuse to work through the movies we'd be mean to watch, we've not seen yet, um, and I've went about eight episodes <laughs> like well that's because we had all those franchises uh, to cover uh, and they've all been rewatches. so i finally got to watch something new that i've not seen so that's nice uh so we're going to talk about inner space which is a joe dante film uh, from 1987 and i love joe dante which is why I'd, I'd been mean to see this for quite some time big fan of his movies the burbs gremlins uh howling um small soldiers a uh, more recent example but you know, done a bunch of stuff. Explorers, actually. Explorers is a movie that I grew up with. Uh, most people see it as a lesser version of The Goonies. Me, I'm kind of 50-50 on them, where I'm like, no, they're equals. I grew up with both. They, they were both side-by-side side in my childhood. I, I have no attachment. Well, that's because you're a horrible person with no soul, but that's okay. Mm. Uh, so, <laughs> so, this was sort of his last movie of like the the A's that I hadn't seen. He done a film a few years ago called The Hole that I've not got around to yet. But this was the last film of sort of the I guess I'll call it the golden era of when he was like doing all these movies uh, throughout this time period that I hadn't seen, uh, which is why I elected to watch this uh, and drag Connor in kicking and screaming. And I really didn't protest that hard. No, but it's just it's more dramatic. All right, I'm trying. Yeah, to... I just I just want to be clear because some of them I might protest, and this one I didn't. Hmm. Uh, so we'll start spoiler free as we typically do and I will warn you you know, somewhere in the middle before we want to delve into spoilers what is Inner Space? that's a good question it is a adventure kind of film it's a bit of sci-fi well it's not a bit of sci-fi it's a lot of sci-fi but it's uh, about a test pilot uh, played by Dennis Quaid called Tuck who is in this program where they're experimenting shrinking someone down so small uh, kind of like Fantastic Voyage, if you've ever seen that classic movie from the 60s. Uh, small enough to go inside someone's body, like in, in their like bloodstream. That small, like, you know, really tiny. Uh, you know, naked to the human eye kind of thing. And But something goes wrong in, on one of their tests, and he ends up in the body of a hypochondriac, played by Martin Short, called Jack. Early on, he establishes contact. He's able to sort of, like, tap into his ear. <laughs> and like install a camera in his eyes so that he can like talk and see what's going on, um, and it becomes this wacky kind of adventure where he's like, there's, there's a lot of reasons why like the, the, some part of the test was stolen, so they have to go on the hunt for it, and it's like he's got a time limit because he's got so much air in the ship that he's inside and inside his body, but it becomes this kind of wacky adventure where this this guy who is useless and scared of everything has to help him. And overcome his fears to do so, uh, and then Meg Ryan plays the sort of the love interest, uh, Tuck's love interest specifically, uh, but she sort of ends up getting involved as well and all that, and uh, there's a lot of hijinks and sort of fun chase sequences and all that kind of thing, uh, and that's that's the movie. So, Connor, did you? I mean, obviously, I, I get to answer this question as well because it's, I was the first viewing, but I'm going to phrase this the same way that I normally do. Connor, did you enjoy Inner Space? Uh, yeah, it was pretty fun. I, I also enjoyed it. I I also thought it was a it was a good bit of fun. It it definitely felt like a Joe Dante movie. Um, he has a knack for having really fun characters and fun setups. So usually, just the, the premise of his movies is typically just in one sentence. You're usually kind of sold on it. Like, oh, right, okay, that sounds like a blast. Like right away, um, okay, you've got this hypochondriac running around, and he's like, it was a lot of funny sequences where he's like. But before he knows what's going on, and he's like, he's feeling things in his eye, and he's feeling things in his ear, and he's, you know, everyone thinks he's crazy. When he starts hearing the voice, and he's trying to avoid talking to it because he's in public in front of people, you know, and so all these sort of hijink kind of kind of setups, uh, but they all feel pretty earned. Like none of them feel overly forced. No, I mean, 
I, I didn't actually read what this was about before I started watching. So uh, I was kind of just going along with the ride, and you know, it it was maybe a, a a slight surprise when it got to oh, that's what this movie is because I didn't know. I didn't know it was about him getting accidentally put in someone like like a stranger. Like I didn't know that's what the, the right. plot was. I knew it was about shrinking down. But that was the okay. extent of my knowledge of it. That was it. I knew that. I knew Dennis Quaid was in it, and that was it. That was all I knew. Um, like I say, I like Joe Dante, so I, I was just... I don't care what yeah. it's about. I just wanted to see an old Joe Dante movie. Um, and I, I think this one sits up there with most of his stuff. It's it's uh, it's definitely... It's it's more sprawling. Like I, I typically think of a lot of his movies as being very... Uh, not quite bottle films, but certainly they typically are set in a neighbourhood. Like, they'll be in a small town, and it'll mm. be like all the characters in the town reacting to it. You know, Gremlins is like that, Small Soldiers is like that. Uh, the Burbs is even more condensed to one street. Like, the whole thing's about this one, like, cul-de-sac of houses. Uh, this one's obviously a lot more sprawling, because, you know, it's driving around in the city, there's car chases, it's yeah, all over it's, San Francisco. In terms of the, the scope of it, it's quite big. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of people involved by the end. Yeah, I yeah I was I wasn't expecting. There's a, there's a character called the, the the cowboy who's this this weird, not quite arms dealer, but he like deals and like he's, he, you know he, yeah. he smuggles and sells he, things. He's, of a he's almost a bounty hunter, almost. Kind of. Well, it seemed like it was more about taking goods, like you know, secret yeah. goods to people. Um, yeah, and then obviously but yeah, the they have to acquire them as well. So, oh sh- sure. I don't know if that was ever his job, though. Like, it seemed like... Because they already had the device they wanted to uh, take away. Yeah. He was basically just hired to come and like take it to the, whoever the buyer is, basically. Well, that was basically see, what his see, job was. Seems a lot of fuss just for a courier. Well, it's highly illegal goods that they've stolen from somewhere, so I, I mean, I think that's the, the purpose of it. Uh, well, I think he's hired more for his, uh, his negotiating on the other end. Like, they know he'll make a... Yeah, a case for it. Like he's got a personality. He's he's known. He's maybe amongst all the other people who are maybe buying. He's a respected middleman. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Kind of idea. Um, also, there's a villain henchman who may or may not be a robot, uh, which I was not expecting uh, when when the movie yeah. started. I was not expecting uh, robots, but no, uh, the movie does get a little bit wacky. There's a couple of things in it, uh, te- technology-wise. Where okay, right, obviously the premise of the movie is that they've developed this shrinking down and. The whole idea is that the they're supposed to put them into a bunny, and it's like, what can they do once they're inside the bunny? Can they, you know, see through its eyes? Can they hear through its ears? Can they talk to it? Although how how they'll know the bunny is able to hear? Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, but I, I assume they just measure the brain waves. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but clearly, obviously, it works. But there's some wackier things that he does once he's in there uh, that are like, okay, right, we're, we're proper in fantasy land. I mean, not. Obviously, the main premise is Fantasyland as well, but even more so. Well, like, all that you'd expect, because obviously you could take this idea and do it very grounded. Yeah and, yeah, and and play. Oh, what if this was exactly how it would work? But this isn't that. It definitely, like I say, plays more fantasy style. Yeah, it's just more. Of a, it's, it's the point of it is to have fun with it, not not completely. I, I mean, it obviously, it uses real things. Like there's a whole section where the stomach acid becomes like a plot device, and it's like. Yeah, you know, it plays with fun things like that. And if I remember Fantastic Voyage rightly, which is like a, a group of people in a ship get into a body uh, to like find something. I can't remember what they're finding. It's been since I watched it, but uh, that plays it as a sort of almost like a Star Trekky adventure where you're like everything's new and wondrous because it's like, oh, like what, what is what is the bloodstream and what does the various parts of the body look like when you're that small inside it? And it's mm. like. You know, it's like you're going through these clusters of things and all that. Uh, this movie has a little bit of that, but it's definitely... It, it's it, not the focus, for sure. It, yeah, because in Fantastic Voyage, everything's very difficult. It's like, oh, this is really dangerous to go to this part of the body. Whereas here, it, it gets around, there's a couple of dangerous moments, uh, various things pop up, but it's mostly played like, oh, it's actually quite easy to get around and yeah. do various things. Uh, because ultimately, the, the point of the movie is that he can communicate. So they get to the point where he can communicate with them and then that's where the real fun begins. That's when the movie's really set up. That's what to say that I didn't enjoy the set-up stuff. I think the movie does a good job of establishing its main characters uh, quite early on. I'll say this, like, I wonder if Dennis Quaid auditioned for Star Wars because I feel like he could have easily played Han Solo. Like, see, see that smell he's got in this? I was just seeing, like, the, the you know, the, the cynical Harrison Ford smell. Yeah, no, I can see it. 
Um, I'm like, man, if, if if Harrison, like for whatever reason, pulled out, Dennis Quaid would have been a adequate substitute. solid replacement. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Dennis Quaid's not really seen in the high caliber that Harrison Ford is, and he's not been as much big stuff. But I wonder if that's maybe why he never got Star Wars, so the, the career never quite took <laughs> off. Quite. I mean, obviously, he's in a lot of stuff. He's he's a, he's, a, he's a proper working actor. He's, he's, well, he's that's all it takes sometimes, isn't it? One thing yeah. for people to see you in. Yeah, yeah, and obviously Ford then went on to Indiana Jones, he did Blade Runner, he did all these, you know. Yeah. You know, because even though Ford, I mean, arguably, other than sequels to his old stuff, he's not necessarily done a lot of noteworthy things in the last, like, 10, 15 years. But it doesn't really matter, because you still remember him from all those movies. That's it, he's a household name, regardless. Yeah. Uh, so, no, so I, I think he's good. I think uh, Meg Ryan's fine, like, a, no complaints. Yeah. She's... she's, she's She's uh, upbeat and whatnot. Uh, Martin Short obviously has the most sort of slapsticky comedy to do because he's the one who is the hypochondriac. He's also the one who's hearing him and like reacting to it. And uh, he he get. I mean, I think I think it does a good job of giving both of them an arc, which is kind of yeah. this neat thing with together. So like obviously his arc is that he, maybe he's not a hypochondriac, but then maybe he learns to be a bit stronger, a bit more confident. And Dennis Quaid's character at the start, he's this drunk who kind of just throws everything away and takes everything for granted. He's kind of an asshole. Uh, but to the to the movie's credit, like even though he's an asshole, you don't completely hate him. It's kind of it is. I mean, you kind of nailed it with the the, the Han Solo thing. There, yeah. he's kind of likable still, even though he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, and um, but but yeah, the point is obviously they they learn from each other to become better people. Yeah, exactly. That that's kind of the point of the movie. But yeah, you you've got uh, quite a lot of villains actually. There's more villains than I was expecting, but mm. uh, it works well enough. Like I don't think the villains themselves are ever meant to be. Like they, they all work in their own way for what they're supposed to be, uh, and there's some fun stuff with them towards the end as well. Uh, so no, uh, I will say there's some good stunt work in this. I thought it was a really fun car chase with those like people hanging off the back of a, a yeah, truck. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, there was some, some stuff like that that was pretty fun. Um, I thought the effects in general were were really solid. Oh yeah, all the stuff in the body when he was yeah. like flying around in there. Yeah, yeah, that all looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was inventive, like, because obviously it's like, okay, how how do we make this, like, oh, okay, so in theory, this is what a bloodstream would look like when you're that small, but, like, yeah, it, it does make me wonder how they pulled off a lot of that stuff, like, you know, at what point was it, like, uh, like, was it all miniatures and stuff, and they were actually firing stuff at this little miniature ship, you know, obviously some optical effects, like, how, how did they capture various parts of it, because obviously this is pre-CG. Right, that's it. It, yeah. it looks impressive for what it is, and you, and you are wondering how did they do this? How did they do that? Yeah, I, I will say that that's the one. That's the one downside to ha- having like because CG can be very good. Like I'm not someone who's completely against CG. I think I think sometimes it's overused. Sometimes there should be more practicals for various things. But uh, one of the things that we have lost, even with fantastic CG, is I never sit there and go, I wonder how they did that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know how they did all of it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can't do it myself, but I understand the the, the process. You understand the theory of it, yeah. Whereas yeah. here, I, I just I don't even know where they began for some of this stuff. Yeah, I imagine it was quite wacky. You hear a lot of these old stories about how they achieved some things, like it's just so simple. You know, whenever you're, you're looking at a zombie movie, it's like, oh, how did you get that kidney to burst that way? It's like, oh, well, that was actually this yeah, thing in it. Even and... in this something as simple as just the bloodstream. Mm. But obviously, you go, okay, so it's dyed running water or something a bit thicker. But then there's all the the blood cells. Is that right? So what are all they? Yeah, there's these blobs kind of yeah. coming past. It's like, okay, how did they? How did they do that? It makes you wonder. Yeah, how did they film that? Um, yeah, it's genuinely curious. I, I'd, I'd like to yeah. watch a making of doc and see how they how they did those things. It's, it's, it's fun stuff. Uh, so that makes it a lot of fun. And it, it, it I will say the even though it's two hours long, I think the pacing is actually very good. I never feel like it slowed down. No, it's just constantly going, isn't it? Because it never, like, you know, it sets up the the sets up the main characters. It gets them in place, and then obviously the these criminals try to steal the the technology, and that's what leads to the the scientists going on the run, and eventually going into the you know uh, Martin Short's character Jack. And from there, it's like sort of discovering that, and then from there, it's like okay, well, now we have a mission, and then it's like oh, we have a ticking time bomb because you're going to die if we don't get you out in a certain time, and it keeps adding on, it keeps developing what the story is, and it keeps making yeah. Turning it into something and I else. think you mentioned how there's a lot of villains. I think that helps because it's constantly bouncing from something to something else. There's always something new that it's that it's up against. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of chasing going on, um, uh, and and you know once it brings in Meg Ryan's character, because actually after the her, after her introduction, you don't see her for a good like forty minutes or something like that. Like you know, it yeah, sets up the rest of the plot, and then it brings her back into it, and it's kind of like 
she then adds this new dynamic because she is like, okay, now there's another person. It's not just these two anymore. And how does that affect things? How, you know, for a while she doesn't know what's going on and she gets this like weird story to like kind of explain why he's doing what he's doing because she doesn't know this guy. And then when she does find out, it's like, okay, right, well, how does this, like, it plays with it. Like, it, it feels like it's, when they had the idea, like, okay, this guy's like shrunk and he's in the body. And he's talking to them, and there's even some jokes about possession because uh, that's uh, that's, that's, me that's, the, that's the first thing he thinks it is. He thinks he's been possessed by a demon. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he just shouts out in, in the doctor's office that he, that he's possessed. Yeah, that was a really funny moment. So good. But like he he like there's a couple of jokes about that. But like how, how, so it's like they had this idea, and they, they you can almost I can imagine them sitting writing the script and being like, well, what if this and what if this and they kept like. It's just one of these things where you can feel it was an idea factor. It's like, okay, what if this happened? What if this happened? What if this happened? And obviously, mm. they didn't use everything, but it felt like they explored so many ideas. Like, there's not a single setup. Like each, like not each scene, but each like sort of sequence of scenes in the movie, each chunk. It feels like every single one came from a oh, and then we could do this with it, and then we could yeah, do this it, with it. It does, it, and it's it's funny because obviously it feels like each one of those is probably enough for any movie. Like you could do mm. one movie against like just one of those ideas and have you know probably a two-hour movie on that but yeah. instead they're like now let's do everything and it kind of rockets through some of them like really quickly which is why it, it always feels like it's moving so quickly yeah and it never it never slows down and stops like it's it's run out of ideas or it's, it's not been fun anymore and I, I think that's you know why it's it is better that it's a slightly more light-hearted you know it's a more fun adventure mm. approach because I, th- I think if you did do it grounded if you did do like a grounded and I, I wouldn't mind seeing a grounded version of someone shrinks down and goes into a body but i think that's where you would okay it would purely focus on one or two ideas and it would stick yeah. with them because it has to do it slowly it has to do it methodically it has to do okay what's the danger of this what you know and mm. it goes through these things whereas this will just throw out a cool idea where it's like, oh we can do this now um or we can do that now and it just it, it, it ever keeps evolving uh, and because much. of that's really fun uh, so it's really good uh, I want to point out uh, Dick Miller who's an actor who's in this he's the cab driver early on so it's a small right. role you're probably like why am I mentioning this guy because <laughs> uh, he's in every Joe Dante movie uh, sometimes he has a small role sometimes he has a big role uh, but you know I smelled when I seen him because I was like okay where, where's Dick Miller going to pop up because he's always in these fair enough um, so yeah thumb, thumbs up for that so I, I guess we'll go into some spoilers then if you yeah if you if, if, I think we're at that point so uh, so spoilers from this point on for inner space so I, I think the obviously the goofiest thing that the movie does is probably the face changing yeah. technology yeah, yeah. definitely because that, that's you know once once the cowboy's introduced and Meg Ryan's character, Lydia, like she's a she's a reporter and she she's sort of like investigating this stuff and it kinda links up with what's going on. So so once Jack, obviously with uh Tuck's advice, get finds her and tries to get her help, they go after the cowboy, they kinda they meet him, they end up knocking him out or he ends up knocking him out, uh thinking something's up, uh, thinking he's uh putting the moves on Lydia uh when he's not. Like she's in the other yeah. room. Uh but it leads to this thing where Tuck all of a sudden inside because there's a lot of obviously going inside the cockpit. It's almost like the the old school equivalent of the Iron Man like in the helmet cam, but yeah. in here it's like you know him in the ship inside the inside the body. He's like, all right, I've got an idea. I'm going to do something. I'm going to I can and he scans his face. and I'm like, what's he doing? Why is he scanning the guy's face? Yeah, and he's like, okay, I think I can rearrange your like face. And I'm like, wait, what? Okay, we just jumped into <laughs> lunacy, right? This is not even... Yeah, it, it's such a big jump from where it was before. It's not, it's not to say that the rest of it's grounded, of course, but it's just like, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this is just magic now. Like, you know. It is, and, and and he's even like, he's like, right, how are you going to do that? And he's like, ah, it's complicated, just go with it. And, and it's like, don't, don't ask questions. Just, yeah, it almost feels like, the ride. It feels like the director just said, oh, let's just go with it. Let's just have fun. Just It, it does. Go yeah. with it. Um, it's, it's like later on when he gets transferred to Lydia through a kiss mm. and then she kisses him again to send him back and she does that just like I buy the first time that he just happened to be in the right place to be like go through that you know through the saliva yeah. but the second time when she goes oh it was when you kissed me I'll kiss you again and I was like well so he just happens to be in the right place again it just it felt a little bit well, well it yeah. could be mean I guess no but, I know what you mean uh but no, it's it's it's, it's a fun art because obviously 
Jack especially, like him getting over his thing, because the end of the movie it actually ends on this, uh, like you know the villains who have been shrunk down to half size, uh, which all of that stuff was hilarious, honestly. Um, yeah. So some of the stuff in the car, like you could tell that the puppet hands were a bit weird, but like uh, see, see when it was them in the the phone booth and they were standing on top of each other, yeah, that was cracking me up because it was this weird thing where you know they're not dwarfs, they are they are still regular sort of proportions but they've been shrunk down to half size yeah and it looks it looks it's a really fun effect it was i assume they just used some you know forced perspective for this stuff um at least in the car at the very least actually i think in the car it was like a mixture because i feel I think like... it was a mixture the hand the hands were oh, definitely... obviously but i mean i think some of it was filmed separately and then it was like screened behind it like you think yeah like they, they filmed them um, I mean, unless they had a really like wonky, specially built car that was long, so they could. Well, yeah, because that, that's I know that's what they did for like Lord of the Rings and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that wasn't as extreme as this though. Whereas this, because I mean, they were never in a car in Lord of the Rings, obviously. No, no, but yeah. I'm thinking of uh, you know the 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 star of the first one where Gandalf's there and they're in yeah, the, yeah. the horse and cart. I know that was like force perspective. It was like twenty feet apart that they were sat. Oh yeah, yeah, I I mean I know you can do it that way, but here it felt a um, like because later on when they're in the phone booth, I feel like again there's like a, probably a split screen effect there because there's, there's a guy standing there to show you the scale, but he's like quite far away, and you can tell that they probably, especially since the phone booth itself is obviously specially built so that they can be right. standing on top of each other. I, and say, I, I, it, it made me laugh that there was a you know someone there for scale when there's a phone booth. It's like that's you know we're already we know what that's supposed to be. Well, honestly, because you already see him in the phone booth, you already get it, and then you see him in the wide shot. I think that was more like him. It was meant to just be like a, a sort of punchline where he's looking in and being like, "What the hell? Like, yeah, these you know weird small people. What's going on?" Um, but it also helps for scale because you you, you get that. Um, but uh, so it, the movie ends with this kind of almost cliffhanger esque thing where you know Tuck gets out, they save his life. He gets out because obviously what they're hunting the whole movie is this little chip thing. They need this chip to you know, re-enlarge him. Uh, and he gets out and everyone has, kind of has their happy ending. And it's kind of this bittersweet thing for Jack, who kind of got feelings for Lydia, but it was more about really building his own confidence and all that. So the end of the movie is, okay, so the, the cowboy and the, the shrunken villains who are in the suitcase, like, he's like, he's a limo driver and he's like taking over the limo and it's like, oh wait, no, they're after them. Um, so the, the end of the movie, like the actual climax of the movie, and I think this was smart and it was the right choice, is the climax of the movie is actually Jack saying, you know what, no, I'm not going to go on a date with that girl from work, Wendy, who is terrible to me and is bad for me. I have more self-respect than that. No, I do not need my doctor anymore, who I go to every day, seemingly, for you know advice on like yeah. the, the worst things possible. And no, I am not coming to work on Monday. <laughs> I don't really think the boss deserved to be told off, but yeah, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the boss seemed to treat him fine. Yeah, you see, the boss was actually... Pretty understanding of all his weird antics, to be honest. He yeah, and then he, when this started going on, it was like, "Joe, up, go home, start your vacation early. You, you, you can, you can earn that." Yeah, because it felt like the boss was going to go down that like asshole boss path, but once he got him in the office to talk to him, he was like, "Look, you've got a very promising career here. That's not, you know, throw yeah. it. Like, it was being very understanding. It was. I mean, I, I get it. Obviously, he wants to be like, no, I, I, I can do better than working in a store. Oh like, yeah, you know, at, at this age. I guess that's the point. But it did, it did feel unfair to the boss, because he, he seemed like a nice enough guy. Yeah, not that he told off the doctor. It was just a case of, I don't need, you know, I quit. Yeah. Like, uh, you know. Um, but, you know, he says that, and then he jumps off into, you know, a tux red car, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be a hero. You know, Jack to the rescue. And it's him driving off, and the credits start playing, and it's kind of like, because that's the arc of the movie. Is he Because, like, first of all, at this point, we're two hours in, we've seen the villains keep popping back up again. Um, and we didn't really need to have another little adventure at the end. Like, I don't really think that was the point of it. The point of it was just to show that, no, no, he's developed enough now that he has yeah. that confidence. He can do this Right, now. exactly. And it, it's just showing us that, hey, look, he's a, he's a different person now than he was at the start. Yeah, I don't need to see him beat the bad guys. Like, I, I, I'm convinced that he will catch up with the car and they'll deal with it. Yeah, you just assume, yeah, that'll happen. It's fine. Yeah. And, and the villains will probably keep on coming again and again because that's just what's going to happen. Very, very probably. Obviously, Robot Man. Like at first, I was like, I thought he just had a robot hand. Yeah, see that. That's why I was. It, like, it, not... it, it kept developing because when he first showed up in the mall, right, and he comes in, and right away, you know, he's a villain. He's got sunglasses on. He's, he's very stoic. 
is you know it's all very thing and he holds up his hand like that with his finger and he shoots something and I th- first I thought oh he's just got a fancy device that he can shoot you know inside the glove right that's what I thought at first too that was first thing and then when he's in the car you see him like, unscrew his hand and he's got like a and I'm like, attachments oh, he's got like a robotic arm he's like he's got like a cyborg cyborg arm and yeah. that's why he's got things and then finally enough the reason why I'm convinced he's a other than the fact that he's completely stoked the entire time, like he never shows any emotion, other than like sort of creepily smiling that he gets to, you know, do what he does. Mm. Uh, other than that, obviously, where it's like, okay, he doesn't really seem to be acting very human like. Um, weirdly, it was a joke that told me he's probably a robot. It was uh, at one point the, the female villain, uh, his, his, Margaret, uh, she's like the, the science one for the villains. Because mm. you got the rich guy, you got her, and then you got the robot man. Uh, and then arguably the cowboy is also kind of a villain. There's a weird moment with her where, uh, well, first of all, actually, it's already funny because the, the main boss guy, uh, Scrimshaw, we see him, he's got this elaborate desk, all this pink lighting, he's got this big white dog, like, on the desk. It's it's almost like a, a parallel to Bond villains, you know, the, you yeah. know, the, the cat. Right. It's this elaborate, you know, sleazy, rich 80s guy, like, villain get up yeah. but then when it goes to a wide shot you can see that he's actually in the corner of an abandoned building or like, yeah. at least the, the, this floor is completely abandoned there's nothing in it and it's just him in the corner with his fancy lighting and his fancy desk and I'm like that is 80s as hell like, 80s movies as hell specifically but he's on the phone to Margaret and Margaret's like oh I can't right now I'm busy and it's a close up of her and she's she's eating like a cherry all kind of seductively it's like alright oh, she's got she's got a, a gentleman over she's doing sexy things but then when she hangs up the phone it's robot man and he attaches a vibrator <laughs> attachment to his arm and i'm like oh i guess he is a robot because if he was a, if he was a guy otherwise then by the attachment it's just for fun spice things up <laughs> sure but I, mean, I, I don't know i took that as a okay i guess he is a robot then he's maybe not got the parts to, to do it the the old-fashioned way could, could well be I like though that she gets all dressed up and has like a glass of wine and like eats cherries and stuff. And... Well, well, that's the stuff that makes me go. Maybe he's not a robot. I mean, I don't know. Like, like I say, the way she acts there is like maybe because she's putting like effort in. Yeah, so she's having a romantic night. But I, I, that's why I think it's even funnier. She has a romantic night just to use her vibrator. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a sad villain in a, in a lot of ways. Like all this effort. It is. It is when you say it like that, isn't it? But then again, maybe she just doesn't like people. She's like, no, no. Robot with a vibrator. That's all I need. That's fulfilling for her. That's all she needs. I'm sure it is. Um, so, no, no. Uh, but speaking of uh, Robot Man, uh, some of the f- my favourite villain antics is when they actually miniaturise him and send him into the body. And we yeah. get the fight inside where he's like in a sort of astronaut-like suit. Yeah. And he's trying to like, he's trying to like, you know, break the oxygen canisters and stuff on the ship he's trying to kill him um, and that's when we get to the stomach acid stuff right and that was the other reason that I wasn't I didn't think he was a robot because when the stomach acid oh, gets yeah, it leaves an actual skeleton that's right you're right you're right it does have a skeleton yeah oh I don't know and also that made me laugh because the whole thing earlier on that, that you know Tuck was like hey you, you want to get me this thing because you don't want me dead in here because then you'll have a skeleton floating around your body forever oh I think and that was it, intentional I think that was an intentional setup yeah, for that yeah, yeah. yeah. That by this point he just doesn't care. Yeah. Ah. Well, as he says, it's, he's digested it, so it's theoretically that will come out. It, in theory, yes. Yeah. You just I fast. That was actually one of my favourite lines. You just digested the bad guy. It's <laughs> a pretty good line. It's a pretty yeah. good line. Obviously, the music's very eighties. Lot of, lot of, it was very eighties movie score. It's kind of like that sort of. Uh, relaxing the synth, kind of like coming into it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's very much what I expect from an eighties adventure movie, which I love, by the way. I, I was yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't mean that as a bad thing. Yeah. I just mean it's it's kind of by the numbers in that sense. But that's what what you want in that movie. Yeah, but I never get any of that now from new movies. So it's special whenever I do, <laughs> do go back, right? Because you know, it's it's very as life goes on, it's getting rarer and rarer that I get to watch a movie from the eighties for the first time. So it's 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 nice to. You know, get the experience fresh uh, once again. Um, so no, so I would say we had the face change and stuff. As all, you know, he's, he's trying to pretend to be the the cowboy, I, which I like. The hair stayed the same. I was going to yell bullshit if his hair turned into the same as the uh, the cowboys. Yeah, I, I was. I, I liked what they did with the the voices because I'm pretty sure at first when it's just him and Lydia, it's 
it's his, you know it's just his voice. Oh, it's his voice, yeah. Impress. Yeah, he does an impression later with the bad guys, yeah, because the bad guys have met him before. So well, he has see, to. that's why I was thinking. I, I think when it's the when it's the with the bad guys, I think it's the the guy who plays the cowboy doing an impression, uh, doing like uh, an almost impression of his own voice. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh no, I agree with that. I just meant and and yeah. In story, right? Story yeah, did, yeah. Like, yeah. Jack's doing an impression of uh, yeah. the cowboy, but yeah, obviously it's obviously it's the actor who plays the cowboy doing the voice, but he's doing like a weird version of it to sound yeah. Just, like, it's kind of like, if if Jack did an impression of his voice, yeah. Which is, to be to be fair, I I think even the the regular voice that he was doing is not his real accent. I'm pretty sure that actor's doesn't sound like that. Ah, fair enough. Uh, in fact, looking at the image, I think he's on one of the Star Trek. I think he's on. Voyager? Yeah, that sounds about right. I think, yeah. He's usually bald. He's probably bald in this. He's probably just had a wig on. <laughs> probably. <laughs> wig. It's easy, easy to do, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, he, he had all, all that going. Um, so, but no, uh, this is a really fun movie. Uh, like I say, ticking time bomb. Because I think that's the big thing for me is like, it's really fun when it gets to him and you know, and obviously uh, there's all that fun stuff where he's discovering what's going on and there's that confusion but then when you when you introduce the oh no he's going to die by like nine o'clock tomorrow if we don't get him out, yeah. and it seems hopeless. It seems like the, the lab guys aren't going to help him. As far as they're concerned, all they need is the the, the ship to come out okay, and they can get that whenever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, yeah, it's whatever. We'll we'll yeah. do whatever whatever we have to do. That said though, they, they can still get him out, which <laughs> made made me think like, well, can you not get him out and just like poke a hole in the in the thing? <laughs> Let him breathe. You can... I, guess, I guess that's the same problem. You know, the, the whole point of he cut, he couldn't just go into the lung and open it was because of the pressure. I guess ah, if you bring him sure. out and try and poke him with anything, okay, small, like fair. just to get small enough. That's fair. That's fair. Honestly, they've only got a matter of hours. I'm thinking if they had time, they could rig some sort of way of giving him yeah. new air by like transferring it down to him. But like. Yeah. That, I, I agree that takes time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they were like, hey, you know, as long as we can do this again and they can't do it, eh, who cares if he's dead? Uh, yeah, and obviously uh, Tuck takes him back to his place and he's like, okay, get drunk. I need booze. So he, he literally holds out this little arm. And I like that they built this thing into the ship where he can hold out a flask and catch some of the booze coming down the down his system. I like to think he put that in as a requirement when he signed up. Yeah. Yeah, but you thought it was going on a bunny. <laughs> what do you Just, think yeah, but like? they could still feed him stuff. Yeah, he'll, he'll, sure. well, like, I think that's it. Is like you want to be sure that they can give him a drink if he wants something. N- not even necessarily alcohol; it could be water. But obviously, sure. it, why take something in if you can just take in an empty thing and go right here? You go. Here's the thing, though. He's that small. The blood is like these big molecules. Wouldn't the alcohol also be these big molecules? Yes. Yeah, that's why you don't need very much of it. <laughs> no, what I'm saying, it shouldn't even fit in the flask. No, it should, yeah. it should be these big blobs well, that are the size of his head. It's still a, a well, no, because the 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 blood you're thinking of the the blood cells, whereas so they're 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 things in the liquid almost that make up make it up. Whereas you know, there's the blood cells and then there's the actual the the plasma. Okay. So the alcohol would just be the liquid, so it wouldn't matter. It would go in. It's a liquid. Okay, right. So you're saying it, it wouldn't be so like even at that size, it would still yeah, be a microscopic, microscopic, but he's not at like the atomic level, is he? Okay, okay. Just keeping it straight. Just just making sure this isn't bullshit. No, that I should really be picking this apart anyway. It doesn't matter. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing Look, up. I like how you're more concerned with that than the face changing. <laughs> Joe, 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 Joe. It's it's just because. It's because I can argue about this, whereas with the face changing, it's just you know, obviously it's just bullshit. Yeah, like yeah. it's just it's just magic. It's just they did it, and that's it. Uh, and there's all that stuff with Glick Club. That's when they run into Wendy, of course, who's the the girl from uh, Jack's work, who, who who seems to get grow an interest in him because he's acting different and he seems more exciting. Um, and I almost thought they were going to develop this thing where. I I, I almost seen this weird thing happening like halfway through. I was expecting like maybe let me switch girls. Where yeah. I thought Lydia might grow fond of Jack more than Tuck, but then we'd have like Wendy would kind of appeal to Tuck's sensibilities, mm. uh, and that that would kind of happen. Turns out the old doctor's actually uh, got a chance with with Wendy. Yeah, well, end. I mean, I mean, that was what she was kind of saying in the bar. She was like, "Oh, the, the club." She was like, oh, "I've slept with everyone at, the, at work except." Oh, that 
that line cracked me up. Yeah, it was, I've slept with everyone at work except you, and yet you're the only one that I'm somewhat attracted to. Yeah. That, that was that line. It was just that look in his face. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes me feel great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Very, very witty moments, witty dialogue, all that kind of thing uh, throughout it. Like, I, I was kind of smiling and chuckling along, like, a lot of the time. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's, it's very light, easy watch, and then just here have have uh, jokes every two minutes yeah characters are likable you you're happy they they all made it out and you know they've grown at the end and i, and I think that's joe dante's big strength i think all of his movies that i like i like the characters um on top of the fun premise he he he's kind of the perfect uh at least in terms of the 80s stuff like he's he's the perfect kind of fun idea solid characters good popcorn movie feels like an insult but like it's very much that you know it's, he's not making it is there's nothing that you're gonna sit there and you know critique and find the deeper meaning in is it it's like here have some fun yeah but the characters have arcs they have growth so the script's quite tight in that sense like the, yeah. you know it serves its purpose as a story uh which is you know i feel like a lot of directors or writers or whatever like wouldn't find that in this they would they would hear the concept and go let's do all these wacky things but they'd maybe forget to actually put in the character progression and the growth yeah, uh, it, it would be easily done. Yeah, uh, so no, I, I highly respect it for that. Or just Joe Dante in general. Um, as for where this ranks for me with these other these other movies, um, it's hard to say. I, I wouldn't put it at the top. Definitely, Explorers has the nostalgia thing, so that's always number one. I think The Burbs is probably next. Um, but Inner Space could fight... No, no, I'd probably put Gremlin still. But still, uh, the point I'm making here is he's got such a solid library of films that I really like that it's it's not an insult to say it's, it's not, not the top. No, it's not. Um, I'll have to rewatch Small Soldiers and see where that fits in. I think that's the only one I've seen. Off the top of my head. Well, expect some more Joe Dante episodes in the future. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> but no. Uh, so, and obviously there's a Howling. Howling's probably, is probably my least favourite, and I like the Howling, but it's definitely not... It's, I mean, Joe Dante directed it, but it's not really a Joe Dante movie, if that makes sense. It doesn't feel like one of his, like, all these films. Sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's more of a proper werewolf horror movie. There's some humour, don't get me wrong, it's not completely straight, but it's... It doesn't it's not, feel It's like, not what you expect from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas every other movie I has I've watched, like, I could have watched as a kid, and you could show your kids these movies. I mean, that one vibrator joke aside, <laughs> which, again, the kid wouldn't understand what was happening. Right, that's it. Yeah. Uh, it it's, it's very much... It, it, this almost is a kids movie, Which, in, in some regards. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just obviously it's it's well written enough that it can appeal to everyone, and it's got. I, I think the the best kids movies do. You know, like, like the best kids, mm-hmm. they they're more instead of calling them kids movies, you call them family movies at that point. I think because they have something for everyone. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. There's a level of fairness to that. I, I think the vibrator thing just like. There was nothing like that in the rest of the movie. So when it popped up, I started laughing because I wasn't expecting like a, a joke that you know. No, but then but then we're talking about you know Wendy sleeping with the whole shop. That came later. That came later. Okay, but but my, my point is, I'm just saying, you know, there's there's other ones in there like that. That oh yeah yeah, there's a most few. Kids, you, but, you just overlook. But by the time because yeah, by the time we get to the second half of the movie and Tuck's like pulling, like, hey, stop looking at her ass, like, kind of moments. Yeah. Like, there's more of that in the second half, but the first half didn't have a lot of it. So when it got mm-hmm. to the vibrator joke, which was about halfway through or something like that, um, it kind of, like, took me off guard because I wasn't expecting a joke to, like... You know, it's kind of like a... I, I won't spoil what it is, but in the recent Spider-Man, there was a really dark joke halfway through, uh, and that was, like, twice as funny because I was never expecting a, a joke that dark to pop up Right, it's because it's set up as to what the tone is already. Like, like in here, you go, right, this is the tone, and then it goes that step further with something else, so it's funnier because of it. Yeah, so... No, I, I I would highly recommend this. I think this is a great, fun movie to watch when you're in the mood for something that's a bit lighter. Um, mm. And I will happily watch this again. It, feel, it has rewatch value written all over it. Yeah, definitely. Um, much like all of Dante's movies, which, again, I can't praise enough. Uh, I, don't, I, think, I think most of my favourite directors tend to be... You know, more a tour esque. You know, I'm talking about people with real artistic kind of visions and doing pretentious things with a camera and all. Like, and I, I say that lovingly, but like, 
Whereas, like, there's few directors where I just love because I love the fun stuff they make. Uh, yeah. But Joe Dante kind of sticks out. Joe Dante and Matthew Vaughn are kind of the two that spring to my mind, where I just love mm. what they do purely on a entertainment level, where it's really solid, the characters have growth, but it is just about having a fun story. Well, that's it. I think it's because they're not trying to do something, you know, like this this big, deep, introspective thing. They're like, no, nah, we're going to have fun, and we're going to do a really good job at having fun. Oh, yeah, that, that's kind of my point, though, is that I think a lot of directors and a lot of studio stuff these days especially when they say, oh, let's make something fun, to them that means let's make something that's brain dead and ignores the basic rules of filmmaking and you end up with Transformers. Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) It says it all, doesn't it, that we went to the same one. Yeah. yeah. Or or even just, what other stuff this year that bombed? I've never seen it, but Baywatch, they were complaining, oh, Baywatch, bad reviews are killing them. No, it's... Bad, bad reviews uh, are just letting mummy. people know what to avoid. Oh, Mummy's another one, yeah. Devoid of, you know, a good script. Uh, fun stuff, like fun stuff where... I mean, I would argue this is leave your brain at the door if that sentence wasn't so tainted with all these actual shit films that you legitimately have to be brain dead to enjoy. Yeah. So I think I think that The Mummy was a good example there because obviously we've seen that done before and be fun. Yeah, the 99 one is exactly, right, exactly the fun version of that story, yeah. Right, so that's kind of like, yeah, so it can be done, it's just people have, like I say, kind of forgotten that that's okay. Yeah, and that's how they say they, they can do a darker version, they, they can just do, do it properly. Not, not everything <laughs> has to be that, yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where I, where, 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 where I land on this, is... is you can have something that's silly and fun, but still have a good script with characters who actually have proper stories. Uh, you know, that's I mentioned Matthew Vaughn. That's one of the things that really impressed me when I first saw Kickass. Is that, you know, that this could easily and I know how easily it could be complete shit because I seen Kickass too. That wasn't by Matthew Vaughn, but like that movie had so much heart. Like you really cared about the characters. I mean, and you could, you could go one step further with Kickass and go, you know, it could be complete shit because you could just see the original comic and go. And you oh can yeah, see, sure. Do you know what I mean? Like you can see, I don't know that's where it takes itself too seriously and it doesn't have fun. Yeah. Whereas again, Vaughn has fun. He creates characters that you like, and in the case of Kickass specifically, he gave he gave that a lot of heart. Like there's a point where I'm like, I'm really caring that a character died in that movie, and it's like I didn't expect to feel this way. That, but you can do that in a movie that is fun and kind of stupid, and right, you can do that, and that's why when people try and defend the Transformers, they try and defend, I don't know, whatever other brainless shit that's been out in the last few years. It's like, oh, this is leave your brain at the door stuff. Like, well, no, you can have fun and still actually enjoy good writing as you're doing it. Yeah, like, it, it, it can still be competently made and, you know, leave your brain at the door. It, 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 yeah, or in the case of some of these guys, beyond competent, like, you know, it can be excellently made, but be right. what it is. Like... Uh, you can still make an excellent dumb movie. Like uh, it's entirely possible. It is, and so, I think people need to remember that. They do. They do. This turned into a bit of a conversation about the state of shite films. Uh, it's just because I feel like these excuses get thrown around, and it annoys me because, well, no, because you can you can have better. Don't accept this shit. And, and I think that's it. I think we kind of forget because how often do you actually sit down and watch a movie like this now? For for new films, not a lot. Like typically, if I'm watching something like this, it is something from, you know, the eighties, right, seventies, exactly. whatever. So when when you even now when you go back and you go right, I'll watch something from then, and you go, oh yeah, you can do this fun. You kind of you forget because there is so much of the new stuff coming out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, even in the eighties, they had some stuff, uh, but certainly once we, I think it's once you get to the two thousands, it starts to. Yeah. This type of film starts to shift, and you don't really get a lot of them anymore. Uh, not to say there's none, but not not a whole but, lot. Uh, definitely this decade, I think it's it's hard to find more than a handful. Yeah, there's definitely like in, ter- in terms of like family movies, like, taking away like good animated stuff, right? Mm. I feel like family movies is something that's kind of dwindled in quality. I mean, I can't think of it off the top of my head. Uh, no, that's it. I'm struggling to think of any this. I mean. 
And we're not counting like superhero movies in here because that's right. And different. it's the sort of thing that if it was do- if it was done well and and had been good, Pirates of the you know the new Pirates of the Caribbean could have been like in that sort of void. Oh yeah, could have been. Yeah. But it, it, I, I, from everything I heard, it kind of just wasn't there. I never even liked the first one, so clearly I wasn't going to right bother. But yeah, so I just yeah. Uh, to, you know, so yeah, tangent at the, at the end, but relevant and reasonable Ish. conversation. I I I would have thought. So I guess we'll whip back round to anything else you want to bring up from inner space. Any scenes that stuck out as... No, like I say, it was when he was in the, the doctor's office and yelling about possession. and mm. that, that was cracking me up. Oh, yeah, I also liked how uh, the doctor... Well, first of all, he says, oh, we can rule out demonic possession, you'll be glad to know. Um, like, how can you know that, seriously? How, what test did you do that ruled that out? I, want to know. Well, no, I, I really like his answer to that, because he was like, how do you know that? He's like, well, de- demons talk through you, not to you. And I was like, solid. I'll accept it. <laughs> yeah, and then there's another bit where he's like, because at one point, uh, Tuck inside is going, oh, God, oh, God, because like he, something's happening. And he's like, oh, no, he's talking about God. Right. And then he's like, "Oh, you're having some sort of religious hysteria." He's like, "Oh, what's the what's the you know the treatment for that?" He's like, "Well, back in the old days, it was uh, being being burned at the stake." I'm not quite so sure what the uh, modern practice is. <laughs> I thought it was a really good boy. It was. The doctor was very like he he knows what this guy's like. Obviously, he's a rake. We'd set that yeah. up. He's, he's there all the time. Well, oh, actually, like... the, the the exact line when he, we established that is like. Your regular visits are the cornerstone of my medical practice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel bad for the doctor at the end. He's going to go out of business. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's got a new young girlfriend, seemingly. So he's, uh, yeah, that's true. Some things are on the up and up. Uh, oh, we didn't even mention uh, when uh, Tuck gets transferred into Lydia, he ends up seeing that she's pregnant. Like he's, he's you know, he's going around and he mm. sees like the, you know, the, the very early stage sort of unborn child yeah and i thought oh that's that's kind of yeah it was really interesting they never touched on it again really either yeah i mean there's one moment when uh it comes out where he says you never told me or you how come you never told me and that's it that's all you get yeah. we don't need any more of it we don't need anything else it's just um also i like that he just assumed it was his like it because let's say it was two months later theoretically this was still in the realm of possibility, this could have been someone else's kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but but he's—that's the sort of man he is. A very confident man. He is a very confident man. Uh, but no, it was actually kind of a oddly sweet moment. Like I, I wasn't expecting. It was because it gave him this moment of realization, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like maybe like if she already knew about it, like when she broke up with him at the studio start of the movie, it's like she was looking for him to be more mature. And part of the reason why she maybe broke away is because no, he's still this drunk fool who. Like you yeah. know, gets into these fights and whatever. Yeah. So no. Um, so that was, a, that was a really sweet moment. Um, I know. Inner space. I guess we should. I guess we should rate it. Yeah. What are you uh, thinking? I think a solid eight. Yeah, a lot of fun. Great movie. But uh, you know that that's solid. I I think I will echo that eight. I think I will. Yes. And honestly, I I think Joe Dante is a, a director who. Swims and solidates. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I will take a director who can consistently give me a really good eight or an eight point five over someone who gave me a ten once. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll still cherish that ten, but it's like a ten and then a, nothing but sixes and sevens after that. It's like, uh... yeah, you know, I'm not excited for that director's movies anymore. Whereas Dante's never let me down. Oh, it's, it's good stuff. Never let me down. I mean, maybe his newer films. Well, I don't know, but he's got. He also did that. Uh, was it Burying the X? Was that? I think that was his. I don't remember. I think that was his. He done a couple of recent movies. I need, I need to seek them out and see if they're any good. Um, but you know, I'm a little bit worried because, like, you know, like once you take him out of the eighties and nineties, does that that whimsy kind of quality? Yeah. Does he away. feel like he's had to adapt with the times? Yeah, like, I think the big example for for me for that is Spielberg, where I almost, like, modern Spielberg doesn't excite... I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll check some of his stuff out, and some of it, you know, it'll be good, but, you know... It's not what it used to be. Ever since, like, the early 90s, I feel like, you know, he's not really been the same guy he was before, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it just means, like, no, nah, there's, like, a Spielberg that I like, and that is, you know, mid-70s to mid-90s, and then there's a Spielberg that's okay, but often 
especially recently. Like he's he's done a good job recently of making a lot of movies that I'm not interested. Well, in. Well, I, I don't even think you can say there's bad Spielbergs. I think they're still mostly well made movies at the very least. They're just not interesting to you. To to a point, I I, I think I would argue that the pacing in Lincoln was absolutely torture. But all right, that's fair. Um, but but there's a lot of movies there that are clearly that they're, they're not oh, bad. Yeah. They're just they're not the the movies that you want from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen Bridge of Spies. I'm sure it's a fine movie. But... It's, that's it. It's fine. It's it's yeah. nothing exceptional. It's fine. You know, uh, Crystal Skull was what it was. You know, <laughs> yeah. nothing nothing is to be said about that. Um, that that one he did with uh, Jackson, the animated one, Tintin. Yeah, I uh, didn't like that. Yeah, BFG oh. was kind of like meant to be that as well. Like where, yeah, it's all right, but. Yeah, I never saw that. Like, I never, never appealed to me. So, um, and after Lincoln, I don't know. If Lincoln actually came after this. I can't remember, but certainly after I saw Lincoln, like the, the thought of sitting through Warhorse was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so, and obviously, I know everyone, everyone watching this, if they haven't turned it off because we're off topic, uh, they're like, but Seven Private Ryan, that was after that period you're speaking about. It's like, yeah, it was. And Seven Private Ryan again is a fine movie, bit too sentimental for my tastes. Yeah, bit too sentimental. When I've tried to rewatch it, I've basically never finished it again. It was fine the first time. I had some good moments. Had some nice things to, to do and say. I, I, I'm just because but... I'm not that big on war movies as a whole. Yeah, and I'm like, me. yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's 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 good enough for what it is. But I've no interest to ever watch it again. Aye. But there you go. So uh, that's in our space. Uh, well, sometimes it's still towards the end but thank you very much for watching let us know what you thought of the movie in the comments below if you've seen it like and subscribe all that stuff get us on twitter at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates if you want to support the channel and everything we do here and uh, you know possibly get more of these influxes and whatnot, not uh, certainly get them early that's one of the perks you can have it at patreon.com slash TV and check all that stuff out uh, but otherwise guys that is us so thank you very much once again for watching keep watching movies and we'll see you next time